My stuttering went away. I stopped wetting the bed. I stood tall. I became valedictorian, became a pastor, and preached until everybody in my family got saved. Come here, the dynamic speaker, Dr. Ron Archer, at the 12th Annual RUC Fundraising Banquet at Genoa Church on March 11th. Seating is limited and social distanced. If you wish, you can join us via live stream. To register and for more information, go to relationshipsunderconstruction.com. Well, we got through the freeze. Now can we survive the thaw? Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principles and Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaels. It's great to be back with you back in the studio. You know, last week I was on vacation, and the week before that, we just couldn't get it together. Yeah, well, you know, Chuck, I, I understand you're on vacation, but I can't understand the reason why you thought you'd bring up all this fine white Florida sand to put all over your yard here <laughs> uh, in about 10, in, 10 to 11 inch deep uh, piles. So. <laughs> Don't blame me. Guess what? Uh, most of, A great deal of that, not all of it, no, the major part of it fell before I left, but more fell while I was gone. Yeah, well, I'm just kind of looking at that, and I'm thought, and, and I reached down, and I thought, oh, this is great, and I'm like, well, I guess it has to be under the Florida sun for it to be warm, because this is kind of cold. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> we, we were sweating it going down there. I mean, not too much. It was going to be warmer than here, no matter what. Well, this but is true. I, I had taken to uh, sort of trying to follow the weather, and I was reading some guys on the internet and, and uh, on YouTube, some of these uh, weather types on YouTube. And I start noticing, like, oh, it's, you know, screaming white death, uh, freeze warnings clear down to, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. they kept showing the cold air pushing into northern Florida. Well, guess what? <laughs> I think our coldest day was 72. We got there. Uh, we got there on a Friday night or actually a Saturday morning about 2 a.m., and as soon as we crossed the the Florida border, I was teasing my wife. I looked at the, we have a temperature sensor in the car, and I looked at it and shook my finger, and I said, "You now have two hours to get to seventy degrees." And I was shaking my, and I said, "I mean it. I'm giving you orders right yeah. now." By the time we got where we were going in Orlando, it was seventy two at two a.m. Well, what does that tell you about how warm it it was? It it was warm. I think our warmest day was 87 degrees, and it was sunny out, and it was beautiful. And uh, somehow I managed not to get a sunburn. Well, see, I I can get a sunburn even in Ohio. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, So can my wife. I managed to avoid uh, being fried. Well, good for you. Somehow, apparently. Just enough time not in the sun to let me recover and and enough of, of PF50 or whatever the stuff is. And a hat, as you're, you're well aware, you can see the visual evidence more and more and more of my head shows all the time, which requires the wearing of a hat no matter what. Yeah. So if I'm in the sun, it's a necessity. Well, well let's put it this way. At least if you did get a bad sunburn, you could just come back up here and roll in the snow, and that would you know, cool it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it'd, be like, so, it'd be like a balm. <laughs> the beauty of it is as soon as we get back, it starts warming up. See, now right. what we actually did was in the draft from our car coming back. You pulled that. Uh, we that, pulled that warm air up. That uh, that the Atlantic Ocean uh, that's right. warm front coming up. We pulled it. We pulled it up. Mm. I'm sorry. Were you on the Atlantic side or were you we were on, on the Gulf? We side? were in Orlando, which is smack in between. Yeah, that's right. So we pulled it up from both places. 
Those warm Gulf breezes will do a number on snow, that's for sure. So while you were gone last week and and having fun and partying, well, we uh, had to run a best of because I'm not technically able to run this board (laughs) that Chuck likes to run when we record. But you didn't miss a whole lot. Things just moved on as usual. Congress basically did nothing while Joe Biden wrote more executive orders legislating from from the administration. And honestly... Now that we got a th- we've got a thaw coming because Congress is actually starting to want to move on things, and the first and probably worst in my estimation piece of legislation that they want to move on right now is the Equality the Act. Equality Act. Yeah. <laughs> now, for those of you who have been uh, you know not focused in on this for a long time, although we've talked about it on and off over the last at least couple of years, there's an initiative to basically take away all of your civil rights. And I'm not overstating this fact. It's called the Equality Act. Sounds good, doesn't it? It's very positive. Equality. Well, you always attach a positive, <laughs> absolutely feel good, do. do something name to a piece of Ab- legislation that's going to rob you blind. Absolutely. Now, the Equality Act is an omnibus piece of legislation that would amend the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And it would do so in such a way to add certain categories in for extra, quote-unquote, protections based upon... They're immutable characteristics, Chuck, because that's what the 64 Civil Rights Act was about, was protecting right. protecting uh, uh, people because they're being discriminated on because of their immutable characteristics. Now, the word immutable means they can't change it. They can't it. change right. it, yeah. And so that includes your race, your ethnicity, your skin color. It included your, it included your religion, too. Because, your, and your sex. Yeah, and your sex. Uh, your, yeah, that's right. But... Now we want to include things like your sexual orientation, your gender identity and expression, and, and this is one that people ought to be paying attention to, whether or not you're pregnant. (laughs) Now, this is a new wrinkle this year in this bill, and I understand what they're doing, and we'll talk about it here in just a second. But what does the Equality Act do? Now, first of all, it affects everything you can possibly think of, okay, from the way you work, to the way you worship, to the way your children are educated. One of the first things that the Equality Act does is it expands the definition of public accommodations in law. That's Title II of the Federal Code. And basically, when they expand the public accommodations, what that does, in effect, Chuck, is to basically allow... Men who identify as women, i.e., that's your sexual, that's your gender identity and that particular phrase, it's going to basically require that in a public restroom, locker rooms, showers, women's shelters, other places, domestic violence shelters, that you can't discriminate if a guy shows up wearing a dress wanting to bunk for the night at the domestic violence shelter for women or you can't discriminate if teenage boy wants to put on a dress and go into the girls locker room because he supposedly self-identifies as female as female yeah while your daughters and grandchildren and granddaughters may be changing clothes or showering or other places the schools and you won't be allowed to say that can't be done that's wrong because it'll be federal law now, we've, we saw this before under Title IX, which was the federal act to 
make girls' sports in, in public schools on a level with boys. So if you had a boys' well, sport, that if a girls' sport wanted to form, that you could not do it. Okay. Forced equality, essentially. Forced equality, yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, let's face it. Um, I, I can still remember being asked, what can we do to get more people to come to women's basketball games? I remember sure. this in college, and I was in college in the mid-'80s. Right. I said, well, make it interesting. They're, they're, honestly, well, sure. It, it wasn't very good basketball. Well, but but the point is, is that it wasn't the fact whether or not it was a draw or not. It was the fact that if you had a men's team, you also had to offer the option to have a women's team if the women wanted that, to have one. That's one place where it went. But the and, and, other right. thing was, we want we want equal revenue distribution, well, sure, which they still haven't gotten that uh, right. But and based on the fact <laughs> that that we want we want the same amount as the men coming into the program. Well, you can't have that because you don't generate any any sure. real revenue. That and that's what has always been the mm-hmm. argument, and that's the basis of this part of the argument. Yep. Well, and the other part of this is that uh, under Title IX, this was during the Obama administration. You know, Joe Biden's immediate Democratic predecessor. They sent a guidance letter out from the Department of Education to all schools, basically saying that it, the way they interpreted and enforced Title IX was that. You had to allow boys who identified as girls into the women's locker rooms, changing rooms, bathrooms, etc. Right. And you had no say in it. Well, Joe Biden's going to go back to that, and so is Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer with the Equality Act. Because not only will it do that, it's actually going to require schools to allow biological males to compete in these girls' sports that Title IX helped set up. So if you have a state, let's say you have a state track meet. Uh, and the girls' competition for the steeplechaser for the, you know, 800 relay. If a guy or a group of guys decide that they want to get into that, all they have to do is just say they identify as a girl, and they come in. And usually what happens is those boys who, if they competed against other males, might not even place anywhere and probably not even make the top quarter of of finishers in, in their various, you know, endeavors usually end up winning the meets against the girls because, well, boys have a biological advantage. Oh, that's right. Testosterone. It's a really well, big advantage. We have a, we have a basic physical uh, mm-hmm. beyond, beyond that. Yeah, we, we have a physiological we have, advantage. We have more aggression than girls, flat out. That's, we, have, not we, have, being, we have larger hearts. We have larger lung capacities. We, we have, have longer muscles. muscles. Um, That's right. Just yeah. keep going down longer the road. Longer bones, longer muscles. Um, we tend to build more physical bulkiness and strength. Yep. Um, these are just facts, and it's all based on biochemistry. And, you know, uh, people have been trying to, to say that this wasn't true for, uh, well, since the feminist movement, right. especially the like the third wave hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second wave was basically we want to be um, treated equally in business and have the same opportunities. I'm glad you said that. Which which is fine, right? Which which is fine, except for the fact that what the Equality Act would do is it would actually keep this m- mania going. And so basically you have a federal office of, of the Small Business Administration has an office of women's business ownership. Basically, they're trying to encourage female entrepreneurship and female ownership of businesses. Well, if a biological male who identifies as female wants to, they can get in line for 
the funding and support <laughs> that comes out of the Small Business Look, Administration Office of Women's Business Ownership. Here's the problem, Barry. As and what 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 that will do is put women women back in a disadvantage. All right, absolutely. Because this is okay. Second wave feminism right. was about equality of opportunity. Third wave feminism is about equality of outcome. Which they and are there is a vast, vast chasm between those two things. Yes, there is uh, a vast, vast chasm that really cannot be overcome. Oh, absolutely. Uh, these that means that uh, as I I saw someone put today, it's like standing on the south side of the Grand Canyon and the north side of the Grand Canyon. You can't straddle the difference because where do you end up? A mile down in the Colorado River. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. You're on one side or you're on the other. Right. We are. We have been evolving rapidly into a society that that thinks that equality uh, of opportunity isn't good enough. We need to have equality of outcome. outcome. And in order to have equality of outcome, you have to have government intervention. Well, absolutely. The intervention right. of the state. Absolutely. And that and we see that writ large. Now the other thing, and there's still so much more here, Jack. The Equality Act, and like I said, this is broad sweeping omnibus legislation. So, if you want to, if you have a child who needs assistance because they're going through emotional issues or they're going through, you know, questioning about their place in the world, which how many of us haven't have kids who've struggled with those kind of thoughts and feelings about themselves and whether or not they'll ever succeed and looking at the big bad world and kind of figuring out like oh this is not going to be an easy place to, to maneuver have you in. ever met anyone <laughs> who, who didn't have those feelings from time to time absolutely you know i'm 64 years old and i still wonder i i yep. fail to start things because i'm like will i be able to successfully complete <laughs> this uh, <laughs> my wife always laughs at me because before i start a project <laughs> I'll spend days watching YouTube videos well, and, sure. and how-tos and digging up books and trying yeah. to do calculations. And somebody else said, use this number. And I'm like, where's that number come from? Because I'm mathematically oriented. Right. Uh, because I'm a, I'm trained as a scientist. What's the first thing I want to know? How'd you make that calculation? How, how'd you make it work? Yeah, how'd that come together? There. This is this is a natural yeah. thing in out, human beings. Not working that. Can we do that? Yeah. So, sorry, I interrupted yeah, no, your no, point. No, 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 you're doing just fine. But, okay, in the medical field, okay, we, we've we been fighting for years for what we call the, the right of conscience acts. And that's that a medical professional doesn't have to engage in activities or procedures that they find morally offensive. So, you're not supposed to be able to force a nurse to assist in performing an abortion if they have a sincerely held religious belief. You also can't force doctors to violate the Hippocratic Oath, whatever one they go by these days, because you know there's a modern there's multiple one that changes now, Yeah, there's up. multiples that have been rewritten. But the Equality well, Act More than here. that. Remember, my family is, yes. comes from pharmacy. Sure, absolutely. My dad was a pharmacist. My grandfather was a pharmacist. My uncle's a pharmacist. Yeah, and you all would be um, required under this act to uh, provide abortifacients. Exactly. That was the whole point. There, pharmacists were protected from filling prescriptions for abortion drugs. drugs. Yep. Um, so, well, there's an interesting little side note on that because you got a lot of the abortion clinics, especially in Ohio, that have flipped over to being medical only. And met by medical only, they mean they distribute the abortion drugs. They, they are. And that's all they do. Sex. They don't do the yeah. surgical 
procedures anymore. Right. They just all do all the chemicals. They monitor the 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 hormones to But the question yeah. has arisen under whose pharmacy license are they distributing these drugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, because doctors because, are not empowered to distribute oh, yes, generally. Yes, they are. Only in certain circumstances. In certain circumstances, they are. But the question is, as you know, well know, when you distribute drugs, there has to be a pharmacist present yes. for the distribution of drugs. In many of these abortion facilities, the doctors come in one or two days a week to write right. scripts, and then they disappear, and it's the nurses and the staff who are distributing the actual physical product which is a violation of law. Do you, do you know why that is? There's a very good reason why. I can remember my grandfather got brought up on charges once by a doctor. Yeah. Uh, when he was a practicing pharmacist. Yep. And the doctor brought him up before the medical board. So he went, and, and uh, the doctor laid out his case. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather said, well, first of all, you should know that I don't answer to you. Well, there you go. Um, the medical board does not discipline the uh, pharmacy. pharmacies, pharmacists. They discipline physicians so my grandfather said here's what the prescription here's what the person was already on from this doctor and here's the prescription that they wrote do you know why the uh why i refuse to to uh, fill the prescription and and they said well no and he said this is a fatal interaction ah you wrote a fatal interaction of drugs oops if i'd filled this prescription that person that had gone home I would be up before my board because my job is to keep you from killing patients. Yeah, I like that. Um, now, of course, nothing came of it. Right. Um, now, we talked about this, and I used that as an example, because what this bill actually does, it's, it's even broader. Because as we know right now, there seems to be a big trend about uh, encouraging uh, and supporting minor children into believing that they are in the wrong body, Chuck. That they need to, their gender is wrong. They're trapped in the wrong bodies. And we know that in certain places, including every children's hospital in the state of Ohio, folks, listen to that carefully, every children's hospital in the state of Ohio, from Cincinnati Children's to Nationwide Children's in Columbus to Cleveland Children's, every last one of them now has a gender transition clinic as part as a wing of their children's hospital because that's where the money is. Which now. is nothing short of child abuse it's 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 worse than that it's basically going back i hate using this because i'm going to trip godwin's law <laughs> but calling dr mengala please yeah calling a, dr mengala mengala wouldn't even have thought of this no and neither would kevorkian but no. you know that's the same um, issue mengala would not have would not have thought to mess with uh genetically pre-programmed can't change it uh, mm -hmm. folks if if you're if you're one of the people that has been gaslighted by the uh, media and the advocates you cannot change genetics in the medical industrial complex with surgery and drugs that's right you, you, you can't cannot do it. can't do it but the equality act would force doctors and others who provide legitimate hormone treatments and procedures for patients with certain physical conditions because we know that that does happen you there hormone supplementation and therapy has been around for a long time right for various issues for those individuals, for, who, for individuals have, who, who have who have odd odd genetic uh, damage it's damages yes that's right basically if they offer for those people they're required to offer for those who want to who seek gender transition right they can't turn them away 
even if they think it's medically counterindicated, that it would be not in the patient's best interest to do it. What happened to the Hippocratic Oath? What happened to the physician doing no harm? Right. First, do no harm. First, do no harm. Uh, uh, but the but the whole point is that you know they're going to push this because that is the new zeitgeist now in in the what I call the sexual anarchy movement. Um, and remember that term. It is sexual anarchy, folks. This is what we're talking about here. This is the this is the wholesale uh, worship of sex as god the gnostics couldn't have couldn't have been much more on point except for the fact that they did it exactly the opposite they thought that the physical was so corrupt and evil and 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 uh, beyond redemption that you could do anything you wanted to physically because it didn't matter but you had to have that higher spiritual knowledge in order to in order to see it have enlightenment but you could turn around and do whatever you wanted to with your body right because it was a it, it's dualism um, well, we got a new dualism now because it's exactly. like you can do whatever you want to with your body, but it's in the service of reaching the higher spiritual plateau of your sexual fulfillment. Okay, in the church, uh, that's that thought pattern is going on as well. Yes, as, it as is. You, I think the point you're trying to make, it's called uh, syncretism. Mm-hmm. Uh, syncretism is when you mix uh, the practices of one set of beliefs with Christianity. And it has led to all kinds of major problems. Uh, I will say that uh, uh, whenever you study church history and you study heresies and you study syncretism and those things, what you find out is there's never anything new under the sun. Mm -hmm. All these point back, all these beliefs and and attempts to do these things, uh, uh, it's an attempt to mix a libertarian philosophy and that is that you own yourself with a christian philosophy or worldview and Mm -hmm. that is you are a bond servant and owned holy by jesus christ of course and those two things don't mix no now do libertarians and christians often have common ground well, sure, absolutely. It depends on what the so worldview is. So of do the Christians and Muslims. So do Christians and Hindus. So do Christians and atheists. Exactly. At some point, exactly within bounds. Within bounds. One yeah. thing I will tell you is that the the uh, the libertarians that I follow and and read their writings and things sure. are all Christian based. Sure, absolutely. they all have they all have a, a Christian faith, whether it's. Uh, not necessarily. One of my favorites is a Roman Catholic. Actually, I think he's a Latin Mass Catholic. Okay, Tom Woods. Oh yeah, of course. Tom Woods, I think, is a is a Latin Mass Catholic. You're probably correct. Um, and he is a devout uh, Latin Mass Catholic. But uh, you will find in his writings that there are limits. I mean, he'll come right out and say there have to be limits. Right. Well, you don't get that with some other. Uh, libertarians, uh, extreme yeah. libertarians. Sure. No, there aren't any limits. No, it's whatever. It's whatever two consenting adults agree to. Just don't hurt anybody else. Right. Just, just as long as you can do it under contract, it's all good. Right. So you can contract for whatever. Let your imagination. Let run your wild. imagination we're not, run. Wild. We're not going to help you with that. Yeah, we, we, that's not really where we're going today. But. Okay. Well, actually, it is where we're going. It is to, kinda, because yeah, that's where it? Congress is going to with the Equality Act. Now, again. I haven't even scratched the surface yet, Chuck, because there's some bigger pieces. One of the things the Equality Act has written into it is a a specific exemption from any provisions of that act 
being subject to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RIFRA. It's their way of getting around they're, they're, and they're, coming after the church. They're building a fence around RIFRA, basically. They're building a fence around RIFRA so they can use it to attack the church. Right. Now, basically, when you change public accommodation and you say a church is a public accommodation, then that means a church cannot have the... They can't reserve to themselves the right to use their facilities the way they want to. So if you had two blatant homosexual guys dressed in leather and all that good stuff who comes in, we want to be married here in the church, well, under this act, you can't tell them no. Now, you can say we're a membership organization and we're private, but then there's going to be a question of whether or not that's going to hold up against the new definition of public accommodation in the Equality Act. It's interesting you say that. Because you and I are both Presbyterians. Yep. What do we do? What's the one of the main things? I mean, almost we to the point. We fence the table. Dude. We fence the table. Yeah. We and and absolute membership and yeah. absolute membership. I mean, we, we are, get it. We, we are not. It. We are not a public accommodation. We're dealing with the thing <laughs> right now where we've had people who have not attended with us for quite some time. Yep. They're going to other churches, and we'll ask them, "Do you want us to a transfer your membership?" Hmm. Or B, uh, erase you from, from the, the roles. roles. Right. Well, we've got two that are saying no. No to what? <laughs> Either. Either. They don't want to transfer, they don't and, be- and they don't want to be erased from the roles. Well, that's At some point, the session has to say, that session is, if you don't know Presbyterianism, yep. the session... Is a uh, is a body uh, of elders. Is a body of elders. That's right. And in the Reformed Church, it's a um, consist consistory. Yes, consistory. It would yes. be called a consistory in the Reformed Church if you if you're aware of that. So, what what do we have to do? We have to say, look, you're not in fellowship with the members. You have not taken communion with the members. You have not uh, been involved in any of the church activities. We have to erase you from these roles. We are very jealous of who is a member of their church and are they participating in church activity. Absolutely. Now, does that mean you have every time doors open you got to be there or we no. throw you out? Yeah, well, there's some some far, you know, there's some extremist churches that would do that, but uh, most Presbyterian churches you'll find won't do that. Well, if you're not regularly taking communion with the church and you're not right. regularly engaging in body life and you're not regularly um, actually fulfilling your duties as a member to the church, then are you really a member? That's the question. And now, if you're in a church that eschews membership, mm-hmm. you're begging for problems. Oh, well, with, and you're going to get this them. kind of thing. And you're going to get them. So, yeah. Because, again, not only how it's used your facilities, but basically, if, under this law, when we do a pulpit search... You couldn't disqualify somebody if they came in and said they were openly yeah. they were openly uh um what sorry the words escaping me well yeah uh, uh, my brain just shut down I'm moral sorry. turpitude if you're, well okay yeah that's that's I mean, why we'll go that, 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 so they're they're openly pursuing uh, sin. Hom- homosexual sin yeah well, any kind of sin yep. yeah I'm an adulterer um so what. And I intend to pray on your on the women in your church. Um, well, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. You can't discriminate again because after That's all, right. all he has to say is, 
it's a thing I've got, and I'm dealing with it. And uh, well, yeah, and, uh, well, even under this law, you can't do it at all. So. Right, exactly. We probably would not be allowed to ask that question. You can't ask, even ask the question. That's right. Right. Now, the other thing that's going to hit Chuck is: Do you have a Christian school, or do you have a Christian college associated with your church or your denomination? Guess what? If that school or that church is taking money, federal money in some fashion or other, and if you look, most of them are taking it in some way or the other, then they would not be allowed to have a policy or a practice that regulated or limited marriage and sexuality to biblical norms. Right. You'd have to open it up. Yes. Yeah, or else you could be have your federal funding shut off, especially if you're a college or university. Now, take the case of Hillsdale, Grove City College, others who have basically said, we're not going to take a dime of federal funds. Right. They'll figure out some other way of attacking them, usually through lawsuits, probably. But you will have that situation where if you're going to other schools who don't have, have, haven't, haven't been as self-conscious about not receiving federal monies and of course as hillsdale found out they let one student in one time who had a pell grant that they didn't know that they didn't know that they'd received and the feds came in and basically tried to completely restructure what hillsdale was all about seven years seven years they were in court over seven years they were in court over that over one student who one one semester took pell grant right that's that they didn't know about and the feds came in and just basically said, you got to do all this and you got to reply by all these requirements and blah, 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 and everything else. And they were like, no, we're not going to. And they fought them for seven years. Now, thankfully, they had a large alumni and donor base they have a, yeah. who was able to help them out and to keep them in, you know, paying their attorneys to stay in the courts to win the case. That's called a war chest. But not too many of these colleges and universities really have that. No. Especially not the Christian ones. Well, think about it. Um, how many Christian schools have gone have gone belly up? Within the last uh, five, uh, and quite a really few. a whole lot of them in the last year. Quite a few. A bunch. Quite a few. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, one of the ways that Presbyterians and Reformed churches protect themselves yep. from interlopers is forming groups like NAPARC. Right. And I know you, you're you a member of... Yeah, it, yeah it we're has, a member of NAPARC, but I'm, I'm not so sure that's protecting us from it, too many interlopers. Um, it, it is. And it, <laughs> uh, for instance, we had just had uh, a couple who transferred... To a non-NAPARC church. Oh, okay. Well, we can't transfer a membership to a non-NAPARC church. Right. We have to uh, we have to give them a certificate of good standing. Yeah, in our release, releasing them from yeah. Uh, okay, that may sound um, that may sound a little overly done. It isn't because the church they went to is a reformed denomination that is very liberal, even though they went to a conservative church. It's like certain kinds. Uh, 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 for instance, uh, there are multiple very conservative de- uh, individual denominations inside the United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. But the United Methodist Church as a body is ultra-liberal. Yep. And the question then becomes, can you be in full sh- fellowship with someone who thinks that uh, abortion is a woman's choice and um who who thinks uh, have all uh, that uh gender is a an individual choice that uh yeah. uh, name something that it's okay you know adultery's bad but um you know but a homosexual tryst isn't yeah right or vice versa right 
Um, yeah, I mean, you've got all that. Now, here's the real kicker, and I, you, you touched on it just a minute ago when you talked about abortion. Well, how does this whole thing about sexual orientation and gender identity reflect on abortion? Remember I said that there's a little provision there about pregnancy? Yeah. Here's the kicker, Chuck. So basically, the, when the bill expands public accommodations to include health care providers, it also adds in another provision of adding sex discrimination as a protected class. Now, I want you to think about that. Sex discrimination as a protected class. And it defines prohibitions on sex discrimination to include, quote, preventing or treating pregnancies or a related medical condition. So if you prevent treating a pregnancy, you could be liable for sex discrimination under this law. Treating a pregnancy includes abortion. Abortion. Sure. At any point in the pregnancy. This is their backdoor way of working with Planned Parenthood and NARAL to basically put in place nationally the New York plan, which is abortion legal. On demand up to to birth birth. and possibly after. Uh, Well, that's depending on where they are in the uh, in the that's the the that's the Peter Singer next next step yep that's right so basically if you treat if you to if you prevent if it prevents treating pregnancy less favorably than other physical conditions so in other words you can't restrict them being able to go in and carve out the baby or suck it out with the suction or burn it to death with saline or kill it with a chemical because then you'd be guilty of sex discrimination as a as a provider so basically, what we're talking about is an abortion mandate. Abortion on demand, all nine months. Who cares what any state has ever passed the law, including a heartbeat? None of those would be valid anymore. Right. <coughs> because we have a higher order thinking. You're engaging in sex discrimination based on their pregnancy status. Well, think about this. Mm-hmm. All those things sound wonderful yep and the real question is and now of course they violate both the ninth and the tenth amendment well but that pesky constitution that, something that the democrats don't care about. well of course I, I mean when you've got the supreme court um um rejecting uh voter fraud uh lawsuits on basically no basis whatsoever mm-hmm to the point where some of the justices are are writing scathing um, rebuttals to the decision. Can you trust the Supreme Court to actually properly apply the Ninth and Tenth Amendment? Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Well, that's true. And uh, if you're going to hide behind the Supreme Court, we, you and I have talked about this for years, and I mean decades at this point that's true you cannot hide behind the supreme court first of all they're usurping a power that they don't have but they're refusing to use power that they do have and that's what we mean by that Mm -hmm. they would refuse to step in because well there's a consensus and you know the the uh if you've heard the phrase uh 
the uh, Constitution says what the Supreme Court says it says. Yep. No. It, the Constitution says what it says. That's right. The Supreme Court failing to protect the rights of the unborn or protect the rights of churches who, who might say, uh, who might excommunicate someone for openly having an abortion or openly having transgender surgery or openly engaging in uh, sexual behavior that is simply forbidden biblically. Mm-hmm. Would they step in to protect them? My, I have my, even though it's a violation of the First Amendment, the answer is, I doubt it. Now, some will some members, you know, don't don't start turning cartwheels because you got a quote unquote majority of five. Right. You don't. You don't. You really don't. That's true. No, you don't. Um, and if you think that's going to protect you, it's not. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to be on your knees praying and you need to be out there working to get rid of some of these people. Let me tell you, you've been deeply betrayed by people like, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, uh, Rob, uh, Rob Portman. Oh yeah. Probably your congressman. Although there are a lot of, there are good congressmen, um, in Congress. Not all of them are, uh, are bad. For instance, mine is frankly so addled and useless. I mean, he he's basically a puppet on a string for the uh, um, the Chamber of Commerce and for his predecessor. Yep. Who, by the way, is the head? I believe he's the head of the Chamber of Commerce, isn't he? Didn't that where he went? Yeah. Pat T. Or Pat T. No, 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 he went to the Ohio Business Roundtable. Ohio Business Roundtable, which is essentially essentially a uh, yet another cog in that in that uh, right. chamber of commerce machine. Uh, so let's not kid ourselves. Uh, do I think that uh, um, you know the empty suit will do something other than what they want? No, I don't, because his money would dry up, and he'd have to go back to being a used car dealer. Which he doesn't want. No, that's true. So, um, we're we're not in we're not in a good place. No, we're not. And we, uh, you know, there's an old saying. You've told me this many times. I, a couple times you caught me and you said, you know, when you're in the hole, you got to stop digging. You got to stop digging. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, we're in the hole, folks. First thing you do when you realize that you're you've you've dug yourself a hole, stop digging. Stop. That's yeah, right. Stop, stop digging. digging. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, you know, Chuck, it was interesting because, like I mentioned to you off air, um, I spent yesterday evening, this is Wednesday, we're recording this, and I spent yesterday evening talking to a group uh, in a county next door to where I live about what's going on right now. And we talked about this Equality Act issue. We talked about a number of other things, including what we're trying to do at the state level in regarding to reining in some of this um, COVID-19 insanity uh, with masks and uh, curfews and and uh, you know essential and non-essential and da 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 and, and vac- vaccine potential mandates coming that double masking double masking triple masking wear wear a, a, a stocking hose over your head yeah. along with your mask that yeah. kind of thing and then then go into the bank and then go to the bank. see what you get but the other thing is that I talked to them about was and you just kind of hit on it there. We have to rely on God first because he is in control and he's sovereign. And all this stuff looks like it's like creening out of control and getting horrible. God's still got a plan for all this. And he's still, his plan is to strengthen and build his church. 
And this is one of the ways he does it. As you look back through Scripture, you see numerous occasions where God's people were put under persecution, under threat, under other... And what happened? There rose up leaders. The church became stronger. God's people became stronger. They found more resiliency, and they kept moving forward. And then, of course, as the Scripture keeps saying that after a time they started forgetting God again, and then the cycle repeated It's itself. a cycle, yeah. It, it, just read the Old Testament, folks. Read the Old Testament. It's, um, it's, it's instructive. Yeah. But the whole point is, is I, I told these folks, because everybody was talking about, well, I contacted the governor, and I've written the congressman and everything else, and I said, with all due respect, and I appreciate your effort, it doesn't move the needle. You, as an individual swimming at the bottom of the fishbowl, reaching up to write to or send a communication to the president of the United States or your congressman or your U.S. senator or even your state reps and, and et cetera, or the governor especially, uh, or, the, or, or a bureaucratic agency like the Department of Health, really isn't moving the needle. Now, if you get... 5,000 people to do it all together in one shot? Yeah, that can get attention. But how can you be the most effective? This is what we have to learn as Christians, as believers, as people who are concerned about what we're seeing going on around us. We have to start working smarter, right. not harder. One of the best ways to do this is to embrace the doctrine of interposition. Now, the doctrine of interposition is a curious little thing. You see it throughout Scripture. But it's a curious little thing that basically says that when you have layers of authority, that if a higher authority commands or prohibits something that goes against the will of God or goes against the best interest of the people, that it's up to a lower authority who's in a position to be interposed between that higher authority and those people or that individual to stand and say, stop and say, we won't carry that out here. But the only way you're going to get those authorities and Chuck, you know, we used to do this at camp American. Yeah. We used to bring about five kids up in front of the class on it when we were teaching during the day and had them stand there. And four of them were standing, looking to the left and the other one was standing, looking back at them at the right. The one looking back at the right was the federal government. And we were like, so you're going to and hand them something. You're going to impose this, okay? So it goes to the, goes to the first kid in line that's looking at him. Well, we need to do this or you don't get your federal funding. So what does the kid do? You got options. What's the most convenient option? Oh, we can't lose that federal funding, so you turn 180 degrees to the next person in line behind you well, you got to implement this, or else we won't be able to give you this thing that you need for your lo for your government. And then that kid has to sit there and think, okay, well, I've got a couple of options here. Well, boy, this is going to be tough. And so what's the easiest thing to do? You turn and you face the other kid standing behind you and say, hey, this needs to get done. You need to tell them that they need to do this, or you can't have X, Y, and Z. And so that next to last guy stands there and goes, well, I don't want that happening. That wouldn't be good for me. So if we lose this fund, you know, we lose this grant or whatever, I could get I could not get reelected. So he turns around to the last kid standing in line. Hey, you you need to do this. The last kid, who's the people, stand and turn, and there's nobody behind them. Right. 
But the doctrine of interposition, which is a biblical doctrine, says that when that first domino pushes to fall over, that second domino, that second kid, the first kid standing in line looking at the other kid says, I don't think we're going to do that here. Our state is willing to give up that federal money, or we don't want that federal oversight, and we'll do it ourselves, thank you very much, and we'll do it better, and we'll do it our way, and we'll because our role is to protect the people who elected us. And if that level won't do it, then the next level, the county government, needs to step in and do it. And if they won't do it, then the very local government, which is whether your township trustees or your city councils, need to step in and say, whoa, that's not happening here. And, of course, that local level also includes your sheriff, who is the highest authority in a county. Now, the problem is, because of the way we've got the system set up right now, pretty much every one of those levels is feeding at the trough of that first kid, the federal government, who sends grants and program money and all this other fun stuff down the line to the states. Right. And the states then turn around and, and divvy it out or dole it out to the counties and the cities and the townships. And none of them want the gravy train to stop. And so, therefore, when the big guys at the front end pass something like the Equality Act, Instead of the state or the local government stepping in and saying, you know what, that's not good for the health of our citizens or for our kids or for anything else in our community, and we're not going to implement it. What they end up doing is the dominoes. Turn, turn, turn. Yeah, to everything there's a season, turn, turn, turn. 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 Your government turns on you. My comment to these folks was, if you want to spend your time and effort and energy doing something to restore our country... What you have to do is go to that most local level of government and make sure that either you have people in there who understand the Constitution and understand the principles and are willing to stand and fight for you or get somebody in there who will. I'm glad you brought this up. Okay. I have years worth of Camp American videos. Oh, good, good. You teaching, me teaching, uh... Tom DeWeese from American Policy Center. And by the way, that's uh, what you just laid out is what Tom DeWeese is suggesting that we do. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Dr. Michael Kaufman. I've got uh, Joel McDermott, uh, who used to be with American Vision uh, teaching, uh, especially on that book that I still think is one of the greatest books written on this that particular subject, which was Restoring America One County at a Time. Which, by the way, we have several copies of that book. We should give that away as a, as for a... Uh, Do you still have copies? Of that I book? still that, have that, copies. That, that book's hard to find now. <laughs> Is it out of print? I don't I know. I think it's out of print. Well, yeah. that's too bad. Yeah, I mean, maybe we, uh, I don't know how that their printing works over there. That's at American Vision. That was a, That is a great book. Yep, it is. Um, and uh, we uh, all these people that we've had in camp, Mike... Um, we had uh, 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 Dave Whitney from uh, right. the Institute on the Constitution. We had Jake McCauley from Institute on the Constitution. Gosh, we had uh, you and I, I, I've spoken. All those things. I'm thinking seriously about opening a channel on Rumble. I have a YouTube channel, which I have not utilized much of. And I honestly, I think if I started utilizing it, I'd be deplatformed. Well, yeah, there's that. But guess what? On Rumble... I won't be. 
Well, that's okay. I mean, and that's good well, until they completely get deplatformed. <laughs> well, they already tried that, and they went to their a system of their own servers. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing with uh, Parler. Parler's back um, because they finally got smart. And uh, the, did you hear who they hired to be their new CEO over at Parler? Uh, yes, I did. Unfortunately, and I was incredibly unhappy. I, I with was that. extremely unhappy with that. And uh, I'm going to let them know that. Not that they'll care. Uh, it was it's Mark Meckler. Mark Meckler is a uh, a, a fanatic. Uh, well, he's ahead of convention of states. Project, he's the head of the convention of states. Project. They're still Chuck. I'm seeing it once again. They're still running headlong into all. We could fix all of our problems in the country if we just call an Article Five constitutional convention. convention. Uh, Let's just open the Constitution up while the leftists are basically governing by fiat. And hand them the keys to basically destroy what's left of yeah. the Constitution. Hand them the keys to the kingdom. Uh, but that's not really what we're, we're about today. What we're, what we're, we're about is, Barry brought up interposition. There yeah. are many, many books that talk about this, but you bring that up in your church, you're likely to get a, a deer-in-the-headlights look. Either they don't know what it is, or they're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are churches out there talking about it, and and um, there are more conservative members of other churches who are like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to discuss this. Oh no, this is not something you want to discuss. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. It's bad for them because they have to understand how the mechanism works and how to get people to apply it, well, and they true. don't want to do that no, because that will upset the up. We might lose our five hundred one c three designation. Mm-hmm. Well, too bad. You're going probably going to lose it anyway, unless you you become so woke that you become completely. You know, uh, as Christ said, what can what can you do when salt loses its saltiness? Uh, you can't do anything because it's it's worthy of being trampled underfoot. And being uh, thrown to the pigs. Yeah, that's true. And that's the situation we find ourselves in. You have to be, now look, I'm not saying everybody has to come out and be a culture warrior because some people aren't built for it. But you know what? A lot of people aren't built for it are built to be prayer warriors. And culture warriors need prayer support. That's true. Um, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about getting some of those educational opportunities where we discuss interposition up on Rumble, where we discuss yep. these uh, constitutional conventions up on Rumble. I did a two-hour presentation, I think it was two hours, on the constitutional convention, why it's an awful idea. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, I've, and I've testified before state legislatures, and I've, I've gone around and taught people on these things and changed people's minds by simply showing them the facts of what a constitutional convention would mean. And it would mean that things like the Equality Act become unnecessary because you'll just write in a, a – the, believe me, the left – will be in attendance at a constitutional convention. They'll be in the majority. Sure, they and will. The, Absolutely. Uh, even if it's not the left in, on the majority, there are enough rhinos who will be appointed. You yeah. think Ohio's? You think Ohio's delegation is going to be full of a bunch of rock rib conservatives? You think John Becker is going to be part of the uh, the Ohio delegation? No, not hardly. It'll no. be a Rob Portman. It'll be a, the Rob Portmans, the yep. Bob Tafts, uh, the uh, 
all, all these former legislators and, and retired judges and law professors, folks, it's going to be a mess. And you're again, you're not going to have to worry about the Equality Act because it's going to get written right into the the document. In fact, it, I'm I'm I will assume that what will happen, uh, what happened with the first Constitutional Convention, will happen with the second one, and that is, you vote to completely scrap the old document and build a new one. That's right. That's exactly what will happen. Because that's what happened. Yep. These guys showed up thinking that they were going to amend the Articles of Confederation to to make them workable. And instead, what they got there, they got there, most of them arrived after the vote had already been taken to scrap the old document. And they got yep. there and they said, hey, we're, we aren't empowered to do this. Oh, don't worry about it. It's all secret. Second thing they did was to vote to uh, uh, keep the uh, records absolutely secret. And they could do that. And you know why? Because they're the convention, and the convention is the highest law-making body in any jurisdiction. Jurisdiction in, in any. So all this stuff about controlled conventions and state legislatures can write rules to control their delegates—that's <laughs> been tried. It didn't work in 1787, and it won't work now. And if you try to, they'll cite 1787 as a precedent. Yeah, that's true. And we cite it, too, because the precedent's more clear on our side of the ledger than it is on than theirs. Than it is on theirs, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so, you know, uh, the Equality Act, uh, RIFRA... Mm-hmm. All yep. out. It would all be out. And basically, the Equality Act is is an attempt to repeal RIFRA without repealing it. Right. Absolutely. Basically neutering it for all intents yeah. and purposes. Yeah. Exactly. And this is the way the left likes to do things. Well, we didn't. You still have your Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Right. But it doesn't do anything anymore because you removed everything that gave it potency. There's still ground under your feet. You're just on an island now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like that's right. Under your feet. You're, just, you're stuck on an island. It's, it's sort of like these these video games where you suddenly find yourself alone uh, on an ever shrinking piece of ground or you know an island, and there's nothing you can do. And remember, one thing to remember: mm-hmm. things are bad. Are they yeah. bad? Yes, yep. they're bad. And what does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm going to suggest people go back and read the Minor Prophets. It's not a place where a lot of people spend a lot of time, but I can tell you this, at our church, our pastor, I think we were in the Minor Prophets for about four years. And some of those books are short, like really short. But read them and, and get into the commentaries and understand what they're saying. Were yep. things bad? But but what was the message of all of them? Was it doom and gloom? No, it was the hope of the future. They were all pointing at the coming Messiah. Yep. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, is Jesus coming back real soon? We don't know. Maybe, maybe not. And if he doesn't, what does that mean for the future? Does that mean we're all just going to be, if it takes another 2,000 years for God to come, for Jesus to come back, does that mean we're all going to be in, in eventually in, in these camps and, and isolated so that the true believers aren't allowed to do anything? Of course not. Jesus isn't going to allow that. He's all about the the expansion of his kingdom. This cannot last. And what 
is happening is that these uh, progressives, if you will, mm-hmm. who who aren't really doing any progress at all, yeah. are attempting to remake the world on an entirely different philosophy than God set it up on. They're saying, we are God. We get to decide. We get to be the ones who set the rules. Not understanding that God has already set the rules, and it's our job to discover them, apply them, and that just doesn't mean in our religious life. It it means apply them in all of life. Absolutely. And you will get squawk back from churches, some churches on that, but don't take the squawk back. Well, let, let me let me put the the um, comparison here. The liberals understand this. Yeah. The Equality Act is a sweeping piece of legislation. It would affect just about all areas of life, because their philosophy, their worldview, is holistic. That's right. But ours has been compartmentalized. That's right. It's been compartmentalized. Church only, mm-hmm. not 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 the public arena. Okay, we are rapidly coming up on end of time. I want to talk about something that I we talk about every year about this time. Uh, I am on, I am the chairman of the board of uh, relationships under construction. All right, we are a uh, an educational group that is teaching uh, uh, sexual purity uh, before marriage, and we're doing it in public schools. Uh, you know, there are, are things that we can do and things that we can't do. And we have people who are very well versed. We ought, we ought to have Catherine on and, and do an interview with her, uh, before this thing happens, which is happening really quick. So we yep. need to get that done. But, uh, relationships under constructions annual banquet is coming up. It's March 11th, 2021. And it's at Genoa, uh, Baptist church in, uh, Genoa Township, which is north of uh, Westerville. And uh, um, it's limited seating because of the COVID thing and uh, social distancing. We can only sit, I think, six people at a table, and there's only a certain number of tables that we're allowed to have. So we'd like to have you there. And if not, uh, there is a way to engage online. Mm-hmm. Um so if you want to know more about this, go to uh, www.relationshipsunderconstruction.com. That's relationshipsunderconstruction.com. And um, go to the events page. And the first thing you'll see is the flyer that we have out for the banquet. And you'll hear an advertisement for this at the, at the beginning and at the end of this program. But that being said, uh, we would like you to attend... Uh, if you want to attend, uh, give a call to uh, RSVP at 740-965-2046. Or you can go to relationshipsunderconstruction.com and, and reserve your seating. And uh, again, we would love to have you uh, come. I, I've still got some spots open at my table, but I don't. I think they're going to close up fast. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, if you want to sit with uh, me... Uh, I would. Appre- I don't know. Are you coming? I will be there, and I actually have a table myself. There you that go. I'm trying you to can, get filled out with some people. You, so. you 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 can sit with Barry or me if you hurry up. That's right. So again, uh, uh, phone number seven four zero nine six five two zero four six, or relationshipsunderconstruction dot com. Now that being said, we are out of time. Uh, you know, what we think we definitely want to know what you think. 
www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies. My stuttering went away. I stopped wetting the bed. I stood tall. I became valedictorian, became a pastor, and preached until everybody in my family got saved. Come hear the dynamic speaker, Dr. Ron Archer, at the 12th Annual RUC Fundraising Banquet at Genoa Church on March 11th. Seating is limited and social distanced. If you wish, you can join us via live stream. To register and for more information, go to relationshipsunderconstruction.com.